Yes, welcome to No Ideas Original featuring Shannon, Mr. Rob, and Zane. What's good, Z? How are you? Ain't not much, man. Just, you know, happy happy Thanksgiving or happy belated Thanksgiving. But overall, people going to be celebrating until like Sunday or whatever. Yeah. So, happy, you know what I'm saying? Happy Indigenous People Day. Right, right. That's what we're call, calling it. We calling it celebrating or we calling it just you just going to be eating them leftovers for about a week? Nah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be finished with the leftovers in about another, maybe, I don't know, maybe like by Saturday, by Sunday. I got a couple of places I got to go after we after we do the podcast, you know, uh, make some stops. Had a good time yesterday, went out of town, um, went to two spots yesterday, man, food was excellent. Yeah, I got a, I got a two-day limit though, man, like left, I can eat food the first day, I can eat a second a day, the second day, but I can't do three days, man. I Why can't. you can't do three? I just can't like to me like yo. Know, after you keep reheating food, it loses the taste. Like there are some people that be like the meal is better on the second day. So I had my yeah. leftovers today. It was a damn good meal. I ain't gonna front. It was a good meal, but I, I don't think I could eat it tomorrow. What, again. Was, what was your favorite too that you enjoyed from yesterday out of, out of, out of what you had? Um. So usually we deep fry a turkey, but we have people that come over to the house. You know, like my brothers come over, my mom comes over. You know, my uh, my sister-in-laws, my mother-in-law, you know, so usually in my house, we'll have like probably like 15, 20 people. Probably, actually, we probably have more than that. Probably I was close to like 30 people. I'll be at the house with deep fried turkey. But because it was just us four and my daughter's down in Atlanta, we just had, we had baked mac and cheese. We had collard greens. We had sweet potatoes, stuffing, chicken. Oh, and my man. made a ham for my, um, for my youngest son. Um, oh, okay. Small portions though, small portions. You know, so but it was good, man. It was good. Like I, I, I got up early yesterday and I worked out. I'm like, I gotta work out because I know I'm gonna go in. Um, today I didn't get a chance to exercise, so I'm dreading it a little bit because you know that food, it, it'll sit on you for a minute. Yeah, you know? yeah. So what you was you was on you was on the Peloton? I was on the I was on the Peloton yesterday. Yesterday I did five miles. Five miles is light though. Five miles only like 15 minutes. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, I did my, like my regular calisthenics and stuff like that. Cause I already knew, I'm like, I know I'm right now I'm about to sit down and eat thousands of calories and go in. So <laughs> let me, let me preemptively make sure I get it together. But yeah, we got a, we got a, a real interesting um, episode today. We're going to speak to um, Emil Nani in a few seconds. He's actually the founder of Boaz Bikes, which is a right. scooter uh, company. And then we're going to talk about, um, you know, two things, one, Dave Chappelle's stand-up that's circulating around. I don't even know if it's on Netflix, but I know it's circulating around social media. I think it's called Unforgiven, where he talks about his situation with um, his contract with Comedy Central and Viacom for right. the Chappelle show. And then we're gonna talk about the Fresh Prince reunion and Will Smith's conversation with um, the original Aunt Viv. So right. should be should be um, should be a good discussion. So let's get right to it. Let me see. Let's bring let's bring our guests in. So we want to welcome to the show Emil Nani, the founder of Boaz Bikes. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm loving it. Thank you. Yo, thank, thank you for joining the show. No, man. Yo, look, you're a black entrepreneur. Anytime we have an opportunity to build with a black entrepreneur, it's a good thing, man. So yo, tell us a little bit about Boaz Bikes, you know, when you founded it. And what inspired you to get it started? Yeah, so <clears throat> Boaz Bikes, you know, we're a shared scooter company. Like, if you're living in a, a, a big city, 
Um, you'll see the birds and the limes, stand-up scooters, and we're just a, a safe alternative to the um, stand-up scooter. I started this company back in 2018. Um, bootstrapped it, built the first prototype, built the app, um, bootstrapped it myself in 2018, and um, we're just trying to get it out to the world. You know, I wanted to, I, I saw somebody fall off a scooter. They were trying to go up a curve one day, they fell off. Um, blood everywhere, the ambulance came out there and I was sitting there thinking like, yo, I can create something better than this. Um, I was sitting there thinking like, man, this guy came out here, he was with his friends, trying to have a good day and, um, and his life has changed forever. And I was like, man, you know, people shouldn't have to deal with that. How about that? Yeah. What was what's what are what are some of the uh bar the, the barriers that you came across when you was you know trying to put together this this company, Boaz Bikes? <laughs> I mean, the big thing, and and we're still dealing with it to this day, is is the, is the funding, man. It's it's a it's a crazy world. Um, I'm I'm new to the VC world. My last startup is when um, I really got introduced to the the VC, the venture capitalist world. Um, and and that last startup taught me a lot of lessons in life that um, I thought you know we should be able to overcome you know with Boaz Bikes. So back in 2019, I mean we were smoking thousands of users um, and just trying to raise capital. Man, it was it was just extremely tough, for, especially for for, for uh, people of color. And um, you know I went out to I went out to California, Silicon Valley, and I'm, I'm trying to pitch and I'm. I'm doing I'm doing all the right things. I'm showing all the right numbers. I'm saying all the right words, and it's just not just not 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 clicking. So I was forced to, to, to I was forced to go to the public in 2019 and crowdfund our, our first round. Um, we raised about 400,000 in 2019. Nice man. Um, and and like likewise, you know, I'm, I'm in that same position now. Uh, we're on our seed round. We're raising a million dollars. We hope we can close it um, at the end of by the end of this year, you know, Lord willing. Um, and then you know, hopefully after this, you know, we, we should have that recognition that we need to be able to raise the right way, you know, like my like my other brothers and sisters in the tech world. You know, that's a little lighter hue. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, that's when you say that, because I was going to say, you know, what do you see as the barriers when you go out to Silicon Valley? Do you think that's only it or you think there's other things that prevent us from being able to get funding to get these kind of things off the ground. I I, I think, you know, I think that's the main thing. And, and I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's intentional and it, and it could, it could be, but from what I see, I don't think it's intentional. It's just that, you know, they've been doing, they've been doing something for so long and to them it's like, well, um, you know, we invest in people we know. It's built off relationships, and mm -hmm. and this right. whole thing is built off of networking and relationships. And you know, you can't even get in the room with the people that that can easily. I mean, people have 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 gotten you know checks off, off of less than you know what what we did back in 2019, mm -hmm. and now we're here in 2020 with over um, um, 20,000 rides and, and zero zero reported accidents, and you know we're still having that that same issue, but. I think I think it's more so, you know, we weren't we weren't invited to the cookout. You know, we don't have anybody at the table vouching for yeah. it. So that's what I think it's mostly about. What do you what do you do for proof of concept for something like that? Like, do you go out there and show them like, look, this is the app I developed. Do you take a bike with you? How does that work? 
Man, that's exactly what I did. But 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 usually, so when I went out there, um, I went out there at the end of 2018 and went out there with the prototype, with the app, with my my, my pitch deck, my investment deck, um, and and just tried to. You know, I was that I was that guy you, you hear about. You know, in the in the in the TV shows and the, 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 story, the <laughs> I, I was that guy that that was that was you know trying to sneak into the offices. I remember this one this one incident, right? I was trying to go see a VC. Now you don't have a meeting, they not even gonna meet you. You know, you, you email them, they they they're more than likely not going to respond. But um so it was like a security gate and I just had my food in the car. So I'm I'm driving through the security gate and I'm like, I'm an Uber Eats driver, man. So so the security officer let let me buy through the gate and I thought I was clean. I you know, I was just gonna walk inside his office, like, you know, this is what I this is what I have and um, then I got to the next level, and there was another security officer at the at the at the um, at the front desk, and I was like, man, and she wouldn't let me get she wouldn't let me get by. Then I left, um, stood outside, maybe about thirty minutes trying to figure out a plan. Like I drove all the way to California from Texas. I gotta I gotta go close this money, so uh, I snuck back in and snuck past that security desk and jumped on the elevator. But then the elevator. Didn't even go up. Like you needed a key, a key to, to oh, get up the stuff, man. That that's your pitch though, man. That's your pitch. If when you find if you did finally get in that room or when you get in that room, that's the pitch to tell them like, look, you yeah. know, I didn't get in it yet. Yeah. Hey, all, all 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 of that sounded like the upcoming uh, scenes to the movie Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, man. Nah, but you know what? I, I definitely tip my hat to you, man, for you know uh, just 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 not not taking no for an answer, you know. So, so where are you currently located? You're located in, in which states right now? Yeah, so so I live in Texas, um, and right now our fleet is on the on, on the road in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I'm in I'm in Dallas, Texas, and we launched in Austin, Texas, in January. We were in, the, in Atlanta before COVID hit, but right now our fleet is only in Detroit, Michigan. We launched in Austin, Texas, in January. Um, we're looking at launching the two more cities in late March. Mm. What took What took you to Detroit? Um, so before Detroit, I was operating in a city called Plano, Texas. And I was dealing with the city of Dallas, Texas. So I was waiting on Dallas, Texas to give us our permit. And one of my early investors was like, you know, hey, you know, come rock with Detroit. I'm like, man, Detroit, hold on now. I hear so much about Detroit. <laughs> but uh, but he, he put he put us in contact with the mayor's office and uh and it was it was just so much love just talking to them and chopping it up with them. They was like, you know, you know, bring bring your talents to, to Detroit. And I'm like, all right, man, we gave it a shot. Now, um, mid-2019, and man, the, the city just rocked with us hard. So, yeah, uh, yeah man, putting down roots in Detroit. I, I, I rock with Detroit. It's a little on the rough side, but I rock with them a long way. <laughs> Now, 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 tell us about uh, the app. Like, how long did it take for you to develop it? I'm sure you probably still do an upgrade to this day. Um, it's on iOS and also uh, Android platform. Tell us about the app and you know the functionalities of it. So, so the, the app, man, we're 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 on our fourth version of it. Like, where um, like complete. 
scrap rehaul but um so that, that early on app had a lot a lot of bugs in it now you know we're, we're more we're more advanced and have a lot of third-party connections in it as well but i mean the app is super super smooth as is you jump on the app when you're in the city you jump on the app it tells you where the vehicles are within the city tells you the nearest vehicle to you um you add your, your credit card information credit card debit card to the app go to the nearest vehicle you scan it's a little qr code on the vehicle you scan it and the app unlocks the the, the um, scooter for you wow. we, we we the most affordable in the city we only charge a dollar to start the, the trip and then 25 cents per minute oh so man anywhere you want and when the trip is over just go back in the app and hit you know in ride and you can drop it anywhere you want within the city um my my team come around later on during the day and they go pick up everything and, and re, rebalance them out to new hubs mm. excellent do the same now, what, thing are, what what are what are uh, i guess the most favorite uh features that people like about the app i i think i think more 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 so I think more so it's the it's the fact that you know it's we're able to connect quicker than our our competitors. So uh, a lot a lot of the competition just um, pretty much use uh, a TCP protocol where where they unlocking it from a, a cell a cell tower. Mm-hmm. With us, you know, we, we take that option as well, but we also um, we also use a backup of a Bluetooth option as well. So. We don't have the same downtime that they have, so they can unlock and lock a bike a lot quicker on our platform. I think that's what you know, mainly you know that that, that number one thing that that users like about our app, I believe. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, man. So you you single handedly worked on integrating all this technology. You had to have a hand. <laughs> yeah, nah, man. Uh, uh, most definitely had had a, had a full had a full squad, man. Uh, um, and I'm I'm a firm believer, man, in, in, in hiring and partnering up with, with people that's a lot smarter than myself. So most definitely had a had a full squad and um, partnered up with different firms to at, at, at each stage, you know, when we started making a little more, we was able to get a little bit more, you know, talent to go along with us. But uh, yeah, we got we got a full crew now. Yeah. See my my concern with, with it would be something like I'm not talking from my perspective. If I was on Yen, I'd be like, damn, like, would I want to leave the scooters anywhere? You know, like, when the ride did, has that ever come up? Thinking, like, man, you know, maybe these scooters may end up in places we don't want them to end up. So, so, you know, one of the neat things is that we can, we can geofence any part of the city. So, if we don't want the rides to go to a certain part of, part of the city, you know, we, we can, we can block it off. Scooters won't work in that city. You know, we can slow it down if, if it's if you know a, a certain busy road we don't want you going that fast we can, we can slow you down but um you know for for the most for the most part um you know the the, the scooters are gps track and we literally watch it 24 7. you know we got somebody on the clock 24 7 always monitoring what's going on we know everything about the vehicle um we know if the vehicle falls over we know if somebody picks the vehicle up, put it in the car. We know if the vehicle is, is moving in the car with um, without it being rented. So we know everything about the vehicle, where it is at all at all times, and uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a pretty safe business on, on our side. Yeah. 
No, I feel you. That would be like a one thing I'd be like, man, you know. Woo. So how many, you know, you've been doing this now a couple of years. How many different models of scooters did you go through? Is this still the original model that you started with or you've made changes to it? Yeah, so so this this is the model two um, that's out on the streets now. And um, we do have the model three that we designed as patent pending. Um, Lord, Lord willing, I'm hoping we'll, we'll be able to introduce that to the public. Um, hopefully sometime between that March and April next year. Uh, that right there is going to be the game changer. So the model two is already the game changer. But we was we was behind the curve, you know. You know, for us, you know, we're we're, we're trying to we're trying to raise a million dollars. Our our competitors, you know, Bird and Lime, each of them both have already raised over seven hundred and fifty million dollars. I mean, it's you know these these guys are are are, are rock stars, or superstars, and so um, we're we're behind the curve on the funding, but. Um, as far as the, the innovation, man, they can't touch us on, on, on that side. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that Model 3 is coming early 2021, and that's that's going to be the game changer. Yeah. One, one thing I've always liked about, um, you know, crowdfunding versus, versus, you know, just going to the venture capitalist route is that you know, it takes longer, of course, with crowd, crowdfunding. But with crowdfunding, I think, you know, you, you're working to, you're, you know, you're working for the shareholders and for the people. When you start talking about venture capitalists, your vision may not necessarily align with what their vision is for it. So you got to have the right person that really buys into what it is that you're trying to do rather than just looking like, don't get me wrong, you need somebody that's going to look at me like, all right, this is the financial potential for it. But you also need somebody that shares your your vision and where you want the scooter to go. Most, most definitely. And and that's, I mean, that's a, a beautiful thing for us, you know, without having... You know that 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 big that big wallet person in the back, you know, twisting our arm, saying, you know, do do this, do this, or do that. But um, but you know, we are looking our Series A round, which would be you know Q two next year. We are looking to bring in that VC money, um, uh, hopefully a lot easier than what we're dealing with now. But you know, we are looking to bring it in. But as long as we still own majority of it, you know, we don't, we don't care too much about what they what they yeah. the arms they want to twist. Yeah, I was look. I looked at um. I looked online like the testimonials for people that have invested, and I was looking. And the trend that I saw was that most of the people that have invested are people who have actually used the scooter, people that are excited about supporting Black-owned businesses. And I'm like, that's a really, again, I think it's you know slower for the money to come in, but that also shows that those are people that to me are like very much believers in your service and what you got going on. And I, that to me, that's to be commended, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Sure. Now, as far as as far as the locality of where these uh, e scooters are uh, available to the public, have you like uh, looked into putting them more by universities so that students can get around? Yeah. So, man, we we looked at the university play hard, and um, and you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully, in that first half of twenty twenty one. And we'll lock in some exclusive deals. Um, I mean, we just seen a, a competitor uh, pretty much go out of business, mainly because of, you know they had 45 locations, but they were all universities. Um, and just the just the thought that that 2021 could be could be all virtual. You know, we don't we don't know, right? You know, it's it's floating out there. You know, it's going to be a lot of virtual um, 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 learning. So, yeah, for us. Uh, if we can lock down more universities, you know that's always the way to go. But it, it probably won't be beneficial probably until 2022. 
Mm, that makes sense. What's what's the requirement for using a bike? I mean, is there like age? You got to be a licensed driver. Do you have to have insurance? How does that work? Yeah. So it's, it's, right now, it's, it's no requirement. It really depends on the city. We first started on, you know, we were like, got to be at least eight, 18 years. Got to You got it. You, you have to have a, a, a ID. Um, and so when we first started, you know, we had people uploading their ID and we would verify it and check them. And we, while, while Bird and Lime, they did not care, you know, they just want you to jump on it and ride. So, so we had to, we had to make that, that pivot, you know, to, to be able to, to compete with them guys. So, um, right now it's, it's no requirement. Um, you know, you, you, you sign a, a ton of waivers, check off on a ton of waivers, but, um, you know, no accidents so far. So, you know, yeah, that's great, Glory on that one. So how so how does it work on the insurance? And they don't have to have insurance. You guys just insure the vehicles. Yeah. So so the the vehicles um, the rides are insured if something were to happen. But since they sign off on the on the waivers, the waivers you know really? pretty much taking all 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 fault. Um, the only fault that that we have, you know, where our insurance carrier would, would jump in is if it's a. Uh, uh, Less, you know, some type of malfunction with the bill. Okay. And since we do not play, now them other guys on the other hand, they you know something else. But we, we go out there, we inspect vehicles daily. We make sure that that we put the safest vehicle on on the road. We don't want no accidents. We don't want nobody getting hurt. We don't want no lawsuits. Now, what what's the max speed for these e-scooters for the Boaz bikes? So ours, or, 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 or does it, or, you know, I guess, you know, with the different models, they might have different max speeds, I guess. Uh, ours is about 20 miles per hour, but every single city wants you to cap it at 15 miles per hour. So, yeah. so um, nobody should be riding more than 15 miles per hour. And, and, and just about, I haven't seen a city that, that, that will allow you to go over 15 miles per hour. So yeah, they have a governor up there where you know, we, we we cap it at 15, so they can't ride no more than 15. Wow. What's the, um, I'm just thinking like in terms of, I know I'm, I'm located in Connecticut, but I go back and forth to New York City a lot. And when I was in New York City, pre-COVID, Revel took over. Yeah. It, it was everywhere. I was like, damn, like these, these are immensely popular. But then Revel ended up having all these accidents like and all these safety concerns that now anywhere you go in the city you hardly see any of them yeah. out on the road so i mean in your industry and now with you guys doing this were there lessons learned from the rebel experience man man we, we we're we're the, we're the we're the little guys so we're, we're learning from everybody screw up so you know whenever they screw up we're we're, we're make we're making sure we learn from it but you know rebel doing doing extremely bad mainly because of the accidents, you know, Rebel is like the moped style. So, you know, you're going, uh, uh, you're going a lot faster. Um, so you got, it's, it's a higher prone to, you know, somebody getting hurt. And then, you know, they, they had a death, um, sucks. Um, but they had a, a, a death on, on, a on the Rebel scooter. Sorry. But, um, which really just, just, just tanked them. And, and, you know the city don't know the city don't know what to do you know right now they're saying they're debating if they should um allow you know allow people only let rent out the people that have a, a driver's license or go through a special class form so the more more 
barriers to the entry for, for the consumer. Yeah, so, I mean, their, their model is dying right now. And for us, you know, we, we just we just make sure we educate our users when they download when they download the app. Um, it's a how-to to tell them how, how to how to ride. Our vehicles don't go as fast as those those mopeds go. Um, on, on, on top of that, we make sure our vehicles don't break down in, in, in the in the road. You know, some things you, you some things you know you have no control of. You know, another another car driving or whatnot. But right. with us in the shared scooter world. Our vehicles have side mirrors, turn signals on them. Um, we have the hands-free basket. We're trying to do everything in our power so that so that you know the, the, the user don't 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 mess up. You know, give them that that safe feeling so that um, you know the mess up isn't on, on on their end. Yeah, I saw a Facebook video online, and it was like you guys compared to another scooter, and another the other scooter looked like one of those old traditional push scooters it was electric but i was like man like this is like looking at a chrysler versus the back to the future what's the how long does the charge last on them because i also saw that it has you guys have two batteries on it so that way if one battery dies it automatically kicks into the next battery like how does that work no no so so that's that's our, our new model that has the two batteries up there um ours have the swappable batteries so we were one of the first ones to introduce a swappable battery. Whenever a, a, a scooter dies or get low, when it drops lower than 30%, you know, we have the 24-7, our quick response team members already out there in the field. Uh, they just go and they just pop out the battery. It takes less than a minute, pop out a battery, pop in a new battery, and that scooter's good to go. So our, our vehicles never need to leave the streets ever compared to the, the birds and the limes, those guys, you know, they pay the independent contractors, they pick them up, they charge them in their house, and then they have to go and redeploy them back out in the morning. And, and with us, you know, we don't have to do that. You know, our vehicles never leave the streets. They get rented out more more often. And um, our, our, our batteries last about two to three hours on a constant ride. Um, if it's not on a constant ride, it can last, you know, days or, 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 or weeks. Yeah, two, two, two to three hours going 15 miles per hour. That's that's a good charge, man. You should get a yeah. ride out of that. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever have you ever considered uh, going on something like Shark Tank to, I guess you know, uh, introduce the the, the, the company and, and, and utilize a pitch deck? Most most definitely. So so I, um, I pitched that Shark Tank. Um, Early, early this year, and I made it to the, the, the second round that accepted us. Um, it was, it was some some issues on, on the back end that wouldn't allow us to, to uh, you know, make it on to the to the show. But um, which is, you know, something I hope something I hope they fix on, on their end. But yeah, you know that that was that was something amazing that you know we hope we we, we, we could have made it on to the show. Uh, but yeah, I am. Um, What's his name? Um, Mark Mark Cuban's already invested in a in a, a, a scooter company, so uh, conflict. But you know what, though, brother, a lot of a lot of people had huge success stories of, of whether they didn't make it to the, the extra rounds on Shark Tank or whether they was able to utilize a pitch deck in front of the, the, the investors and they turned it down. And I mean, 
it's like dozens of, of, of different companies that's that's actually doing very well now. And really? when they when they when they yeah when they look back on it, they're like, I'm glad I didn't get you know funding from Shark Tank representatives. You know? Didn't they turn Didn't they turn Ring down? They turned down Ring, right? The doorbell. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then, oh, and then wow. Amazon wanna purchase them. Yeah. You know what? The Rabbi Nas actually his his um venture capitalist company invested in it and then they sold it to Amazon for, for yeah. So, ton, ton, yeah for several oh, billion yep. <laughs> um I think it's perfect timing though in terms of like you guys being with, with the um the battery because everything now is about going green um this may be further down the road have you guys thought about the possibility of trying to add like charging stations in areas where you know like the the scooters are commonly rented yeah, so we're working with the city of Detroit with that now. So with being able to uh, put up actual docking stations, you know, it's it's tough because of, uh, on the docking stations, you know, we we make we make all our money on the ads, and and cities don't like these these you know these pretty much portable ad boards mm. um, around the city. So you know, ho hopefully we can come to an agreement, but. Um, working with some some private properties out in Detroit now. Yeah, you know, what, you know what? I was thinking also when I saw the scooter, I was like, I can see a lot of people using this to do Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, have you heard of people doing that? <laughs> so so, you know, it, it's it's really our, our model three that you know that we're looking at that pipeline. But I mean, you you you're, you're right you're right on track, man. It's it's uh, um, that that competitor I was telling you guys about that um, that's going out of business. Um, they they had something in place with um, like I think it was like Jimmy John's um, restaurants, and so they were running a, a test a test pilot. But um, it's most definitely the, the way to go. It's most definitely uh, 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 something that that's on our on our plate. You know, we're looking at. Now, what's your what's your three to five year plan for Boaz bikes? So, um, you know, for us, it, more than likely, it's going to be an early a early exit. You know, we're looking at uh, um, possibly being acquired um, in the twenty twenty one, early twenty twenty two. But um, yeah, we don't we don't really we don't really need to. You know, if if they don't come with the number that 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 we're expecting, then you know, we'll probably end up, you know, trying to IPO it sometime at the end of 2022 or, or early 2023. Uh, but you know, this this industry is, is growing, you know, tenfold. It's, it's 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 no stop. Electric vehicles aren't aren't going anywhere. So um, you know, more than likely we will get we will get acquired. More than likely we'll get acquired. But if we don't, you know, we'll be planning the, the IPO and, and and continue our our expansion. Um, we briefly you touched on it. You know, we talked a little bit about the crowdfunding, but can you share more about the investment opportunity that you guys are currently offering for people that may be watching and may be interested in investing? Yeah, yeah. So, um, man, the crowd such as, such as us. <laughs> so, the the, the crowdfund is, is 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 lovely, man. And right right now, so the crowdfund is is a convertible note, which is like the industry standard. Um, 
and it's at a $15 million valuation, but early investors get in at, at $10 million. And, and, you know, when I checked this morning, we had about $15,000 left of room for early investors to get in at $10 million. But how the crowdfund works is, is pretty much, it's almost like Kickstarter, but for, for equity. So, you know, everybody comes in on the convertible note um, that converts over at our Series A round, which we're hoping for Q2, of, of, of 2021, um, then everybody will have their actual shares in the company. Um, and, you know, right now, if we're valued at 10 million, we're going for a billion dollar valuation, a billion dollar buyout at the end of 2021, early 2022. Then, I mean, our, our early investors are looking at a 100x return. So, I mean, they can jump in with a thousand dollars. And if we hit it out the park, they believe in us and they believe micro mobility is scooters are the future to uh, first and last mile transportation and we hit it out the park i mean a thousand dollars will will turn into a hundred grand you know once we once we get acquired so uh, the crowdfund is just it's just, it's just lovely because people can get in with the minimum of a hundred dollars and a hundred dollars on our success will equate to um ten thousand you know if we if we get the level we want so people can jump in with a hundred dollars and and it doesn't even it doesn't hurt them you know a hundred dollars don't don't hurt them they can support us um they can jump in with a thousand ten thousand and um support us at the same time as we continue to do some great and amazing things and then have that possibility of of, of making the massive return on it so um crowdfunder is on is on wefunder.com backslash boaz.bike and um yeah it's, 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 it's lovely I, I love it yeah, yeah. I looked at. It, I was like, man, this is this is a, a really good um, a really good opportunity. And I think Zane said it right. It's probably something that Zane and I will probably look into. Um, oh, definitely. So, let me let me ask you really quick about something else because you know I did some research on you that I saw. I was like, man, this guy got his hands in in, in other things. Can you talk? Are you feel do you feel comfortable talking a little bit about the um? I think it's called Aaron Aaron Driver. That. Yeah, so um, and, and that, that's a startup that uh, I learned a lot about the VC world. And so, you know, prior to Aaron Driver, um, you know, I've been a, a serial entrepreneur. I mean, I've, I've been running my own business since I was 17 years old. But, you know, everything that I, and my mom was an entrepreneur, she, she had a retail shop. Um, and everything I, I've learned has pretty much has been, you know, from from, from her, from the community, it's not like, you know, I, I, I did go to business school for, for marketing and sales, but um, I was never exposed to that, that VC world that, you know, like, man, you know, they're writing massive checks over here with, on, on sometimes not even proof of concept, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're backing people who they like or whatnot, and then they're getting a thousand and two thousand percent return on their money on these startups. So I was never aware of that. But um, Aaron Driver was, uh, it was a, a company I started out in Dallas, Texas. It was an app that does pretty much everything. You can think of it like Uber for everything. We did rides, we did food delivery, grocery shopping. If you needed somebody to clean your house, needed somebody to walk your dog, mow your lawn, any type of errand that you can think of, the, this one app did everything, man. And I was like, I was just ahead of the curve on it again. And I was, I was just so sure I had another um, company 
that I ended up closing and selling off everything. So I had like a quarter mil from there and I took it and I put it all into it. And I said, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna work. And I'm out there pitching. We had about 200 drivers in Dallas and it was just, it was just tough to raise capital. So I was burning through my capital so, so, so fast. And, um, you know, they would say, hey man, you just need proof of concept, proof of concept. I'm like, man, I got proof of concept. I, you know, I, I got, I got, I got drivers. I got, I got customers. I got, I got, I got downloads. I got revenue. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you guys proof of concept. I need a check. Help me out. Um, and uh, it, it just, just didn't pan out right. So, um, ran out of capital in Dallas, but already spent so much money on this tech. You know, we already had the app. We already had the, the marketplace, the platform. So I took it to a smaller city. Um, and I was running it in a smaller city, um, about an hour south of Dallas, and we were doing something like ten, fifteen thousand a month in revenue. So we weren't making any 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 money, um, any real money, and nobody was was able to write a check for us. But you know, it, it kept me afloat until until I got hit with Boaz opportunity. That's when I saw it. So when I saw the guy fall off the scooter, you know, I was running this other transportation startup, but just in a smaller city. Um, and I had to make that decision like, man, so my plan for the for air driver was, all right, it works in a small city. You know, I don't have any overhead. You know, I'm not doing any work. It's my marketplace doing it. My drivers are running the errands. Customers are requesting errands. Drivers stay busy. You know, I'm not doing any work. I'm the middleman. My plan was to take it to all of these small cities that's too small for Uber Eats or too small for a favorite or, or, or the knockoffs that came later on. Um, so that was my plan at the time. Hey, expand this to a smaller city. You know, you, you get a hundred small cities. And now, now, now you're doing a million dollars a month. But um, when I got hit with the, the Boaz opportunity, I had to make that decision. Like, man, you know, do, do I do I focus on Aaron Drive? Do I make the pit the, the, the pivot? And I, I took the pivot. I took the yeah. pivot. Man, don't let that Aaron Driver go though, man. I said that. I like that. A great idea. Yeah. Yeah, now that. is that is that price still the same for the service that we saw that's that's on the bio for Aaron Driver or did it fluctuate since then? Yeah, so right 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 now we, we have we have a close, so we we don't run we don't run no uh, no errands no any any anymore. So um, when I when I do touch it, which is one of the one of the reasons why you know we're looking for this 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 early acquisition of of, of Boaz so that. You know, I can go out and do you know more bigger bigger things as well. But uh, when I do touch it again, you know we'll probably do something around the, around the lines of a of a monthly subscription service. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, man, that's that's that. I saw. I was like, man, that's a that's a really good service. You know, just oh, yeah. speak a little bit um, about about proof of concept because a lot of people don't understand just how proof of concept works. And I've seen it in my experience. Like it's weird because some people in terms of proof of concept, they want to see what the actual product is and they want to see um, quantitative data. They want to know your sales. They want to know things like that. But there are some people that take um, qualitative information like experience, like, oh, this person had a wonderful experience. These are the testimonials. So from your perspective, when you go on to pitch somebody on these things, like how do you you just have your pitch in mind, like, but how do you get to a point where you're like, all right, I, I know that this is what this particular investor is looking for in terms of proof of concept. Yeah, so, so 
on, on the whole proof of concept of, I mean the proof of concept is, is all is all over the place and it's really it's really based off of the investors. If you look at the two guys who built Instagram, um, you know, they 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 were able to get a five hundred thousand dollar check just off of telling them the idea of what they wanted to do. Um, and and based off of who, who they who they were. You know, so that it goes it goes back goes back to that that, that home tight network, but um, you know some people that, that they'll, they'll write the check, you know, just off of telling them, hey, you know, this this the idea. If you have a proven track record behind you, um, you know, some people some people going some people some um, big investors will will back it. But from what I've seen, um, they they want you VC want you to do all the work until the point where you really don't need them. That's when they feel comfortable stepping in. Now it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of VCs out there. Um, and angel investors is usually at that first step before you even go talk to the VCs. But and angel investors will will write checks a lot easier, um, just off of you know you can show the, the testimonials or or, mm -hmm. or show them the product that you that you built. But pretty much nowadays is pretty much nowadays is that if um, if you have a if you have a product you have a company they they. They, they they want you to do all, all of the work pretty much. You can't come to anybody with an idea like, hey, I got this awesome idea. I want to start a clothing company. Well, well, you know, because because people don't want to lose money anymore. So, you know, they, they unless you have a proven track record, that changes everything. If not, you know, they, they want you to they want to see. Well, all right, you start a clothing company. You know, show me the apparel. You know, where are you selling that? How many have you sold? And what's the feedback from from what you've sold already? But. You know, yeah. proof of concept can be a hundred, a hundred sales, um, and you telling them, "Hey, you know, I need marketing dollars to explode and grow this thing." Uh, but proof of concept can be all, all, all over the place. Yeah, is do you, from your perspective, is it easier for an entrepreneur now that everything is pretty much direct to consumer? Is it is it is it easier? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh no, I don't know about easy. I don't know about easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I think um, I mean you know it, it really depends on that on that space you know if you're looking at something like you know uh, a re retail is it's tough now I was in the retail industry uh, now I built a, a chain of retail stores and retail is extremely tough I loved it but uh, um, but yeah but I mean every everybody have cool ideas and need ideas or something that's new and fancy you know. Uh, but but that doesn't even matter. Like you know, somebody can have something cool and neat. It doesn't matter whatsoever. But can you sell a hundred hundred thousand units of it? Um, mm -hmm. if you know that you know that exact strategy on how you plan on selling a hundred thousand units of it. So uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it's easier, but you know if if you know somebody came to me and was like, hey, you know, um, you know, write 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 me write me a check. You know, I sold a hundred hundred t-shirts, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool and all. But you know, people around the corner sold a hundred t-shirts, so um, yeah, you gonna you gonna have, you gonna have to come a little better than that. Yeah, I saw um, I saw it, was, it must have been like last year. Sometimes it was, it was an Instagram influencer that I think she tried to start a t-shirt company or something like that, and she must have had like a million followers. And when she went to sell her t-shirts, I don't even think she sold a hundred t-shirts. Wow. I think that was like an awakening. Like it's not necessarily as easy as what you think it is actually to um yeah. to move your product. So so 
So, uh, Emil, we want to thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Um, how can the people, you know, how can the people get in contact with you? How can they go about investing? Give us your information. Right. So, um, you can find me on social media. Social media uh, on imfet.com. That's I-A-M underscore F-E-T dot com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and visit the Boaz Bikes um, website, boazbikes.com. And um, yeah, so social media, the best the best way. It take me a minute, but I'm going to get to everybody. So... Yes. Is that me, Frizzo? It might be him. Email. So it's it's my first name. Tell him to log out. Hey, email. If you're able to hear us, you can log out and log back in. You I guess uh, to, to, close, to close out your, your right. final statement. Email you um you breaking up. So what we could do is I don't know if you hear us, but what we could do is we can put your contact information, your social media, and everything in the description for um for the video. Can you hear us? He froze. He froze up. Let's see if we could get him back. Yeah, he froze up. But look. For everybody that's watching and listening, like, look, pull up, give them an opportunity, give Boaz Bikes an opportunity. It's a black-owned business, uh, upstart, brother doing something positive. Uh, I haven't had an opportunity to experience a ride the scooter, but I did watch the videos on the scooters. And like I said earlier, the scooters look light years better than some of the other scooters, the electric scooters that we see on the streets now going around the city. So I, I, w- I would say, like, if you, you know, if you have in Detroit, Pull you down in Texas, you know, give it a shot. For sure. I think we. Yeah, we lost him. I think we lost him. Let's see if we get him. We get him back. If he doesn't come back, then we'll um we'll make sure that we put the information in the description for everybody. So let's move. Let's let's. Let's move on and talk about the next subject. Um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion and uh, colorism. Like, did you have an opportunity to watch the reunion yet? Or did you see the Red Table talk with Will Smith and um, Janet, I think it, I think you pronounced her name, Hubbard? Janet Hubbard, did you catch it? I caught bits and pieces of it. Um, I'm gonna let you go first and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my, my, my thoughts about it. Yeah, so I mean, we all know, love, we grew up watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, thought it was a dope show. And there was, I guess there was, after season three, a moment that all of us probably came to um, realize that things were different when it switched from the original Aunt Viv to the new Aunt Viv, or how some people say dark skin Aunt Viv and light skin Aunt Viv. And, um, you know, over the years, we've come to find out that the original Aunt Viv had, uh, I guess she just had struggles or she had conflict with Will Smith. So, oh, he came back. 
Hey. <laughs> My fault, man. I don't know what was going on. Oh. No problem. Yeah, give the information again. Yeah, so it's, it's social media is the best way to get in contact with me. Um, I am fat.com. I mean, I am underscore fat on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. You just type in um, I am fat, I A M underscore F E T. Um, and uh, email. You can email me. It's my first name, E M I L, at boazbikes.com. And um, yeah, just, just any social media is the best way, but you can always email me and I'll most definitely get back to you. For sure. Now, uh, I'm telling you, everybody that's listening out there, if y'all, if y'all uh, looking to, because I, I, I definitely believe in this brother's vision right here with these e-scooters. Um, e-scooters is still a very early market to, to tap into. It's not oversaturated. And from what I've seen, like, you know, I like how you have the bigger tires for traction. Uh, you also have uh, the helmets that come with it because a lot of times if you if you go in these different stores, they have the helmets sold separately. They don't even come with the scooters, you know. And you also have the seats. You also have the seats for more comfortability and more safety. So for all those listening out there live and the ones that's going to see this later, definitely tap into that market and put some dollars together. Like I mean, come on, like a hundred dollars the minimum. That's 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 nothing. People to spend that on, on, on Starbucks in a week. Some people will spend it, spend it, you know, in a fraction of fraction of an hour going in the store. So, you guys looking at, like, like I said to invest, make some money for the for the long term. That's where it's to be. Boaz bikes. Yeah, thank. You. Well, thank you again. Thanks for pulling up, man. Taking time out to talk to us. Thanks for having me, guys. I love it. Thank you so much. We'll definitely keep in touch, bro. Yeah, appreciate it. Peace, bro. Peace. Yeah, so there you have it. Emil Nani, founder of Boaz Bikes. Good dude. Good investment opportunity. You know we always talk investments on the pod, too. So this is a good opportunity to get in um, on the ground floor. If you guys were listening closely and you heard what he said in terms of the valuation, you know that, you know, if, if they're able to grow the company and take the company where they want it to go, you stand to make a lot of money off of it. But um, to circle back around to what we were talking about, with the freshman to Bel Air reunion, you know, it was it came out that Will Smith over the years that Will Smith and um, Aunt, the original Aunt Viv that they had conflict and that they had issues, and they would have these reunions, but she would never be there. Everybody else would be there, and she wouldn't be there. Well, I guess this year Will Smith made it a point to engage her and make sure that she had an opportunity to come and participate, and they um they were able to bury the hatchet, and it was interesting because. Prior to watching it, I had heard a couple of people, I heard a couple of people talk about it. Um, I had read some articles about it. My wife was talking to me about it. Like she hadn't, she hadn't watched it yet, but you know, she was talking to me about it. And one of the things that I went into it expecting to hear was that Will Smith was, you know, like horrible to her and that there was blatant um, colorism from the standpoint of the Hollywood exec saying that no, you know, um, the original on um, Viv doesn't fit the model of what we want to portray on the show. But that's not that I didn't leave. I didn't leave with that same experience. When I left, I felt like it was that um, that Will Smith was in a place in his life where, you know, he was immature and that she was in a place in her life where she had financial situations and financial circumstances and she had other things going on that actually 
put her in a position to not be able to interact with Will Smith and probably the rest of the cast members the way that people would have wanted her to. So, you know, as I'm watching it, I'm like, damn, like I read somewhere that this woman was like classically trained actress. So I had Google real quick and I was like, oh snap, yes she is. So Will Smith had made a comment some years ago where he was like that she wants it to be um, Janet Hubbard of Bel-Air, not the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I think partially part of that, part of that is true that when you're a classically trained actress and you have all these acting chops that have a dude well, come on, Will Smith back then when he was a Fresh Prince, he was a goofball. A goofball come in, be the star of the show, and the show be based solely around him. I'm sure that stoked some um some hard feelings. But he still is a goofball too, though. But I'll say this though, like you know, I want to validate um some of the stuff she was saying in her feelings because I do think that sadly, um. When you do label, especially a woman in the entertainment industry as being difficult or hard to work with, that it really puts, it casts a light on them that makes people kind of want to stay away, um, to stay away from them and not want to work with them. You know, we see this with other um, actresses also. And I think that colorism is something that sadly, that, um, you know, as us being people of color that we fall victim to, right? So we were initially put in a position by our oppressors when they started having, you know, terminologies like um, feel nigga, house nigga, and stuff like that. And I think that that created in us this, this internal racial inferiority that we have where we don't want to be, you know, same way racist and racism is a social construct where somebody wants to be better than. Internally, we've created that existing, that same dynamic amongst each other where, you know, for a long time, it was like, you know, the lighter a person is, the better, you know, the better they are, the more marketable are, or societal standards to tell us like, this is what beauty is. And I think that Hollywood has perpetuated that for so long that I could see why the original Aunt Viv would, um, would feel the way she feels. And you think about it, like, there are people who call it dark-skinned Aunt Viv and light-skinned Aunt Viv. So, you know, I, I, I think the lady's feelings around it is valid. You know, like you can't tell a person how to feel. Now, did Will Smith? I didn't hear anywhere that anywhere said that Will Smith actually was the one that went to Hollywood executives and told the Hollywood executives, I don't want her involved, I want her out. But what I did hear her say is that the Hollywood executives or whoever was running the show offered her a contract, I think, of $250,000 and told her that she couldn't work for 10 months or something like that and that her husband wasn't working and she had a new baby and she couldn't see herself only working on the show and being able to maintain her new home and things like that so would you also remember who the executive producer of that show it was right Medina right who wasn't it Benny Medina no the executive producer Quincy Jones Quincy Jones yeah Jones but Benny Medina was involved with it also oh I didn't know that Mm mm-hmm See, and then another thing too, like you brought up earlier, a lot of the different factors was she she was having marital problems. Mm-hmm. She uh, and, and come on, man, like and then for, for for Will Smith to put the stamp of approval that she was a difficult person to work with. I mean, he could have used so many different ways to explain that to make it less harsh. But come on, when you when you affect somebody's income for for for, for, for over two decades, that's that's that's. That's 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 atrocious. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, Zane. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I was saying, hopefully, you know, uh, 
after they had that talk, uh, Will Smith can, I don't know, you know, because being that he owns, like, you know, Will Smith puts out movies and stuff like that, too, for the last several years. Hopefully, he, he he's able to involve her in some upcoming projects. And also, you know, maybe hit off, well, not maybe, but he should hit off with something on the side. Because, I mean, for, for, nah, I'm serious. For over, for, over, for over two decades of being, like, quote-unquote, blackballed, but, all right, so, that's, that's so look, hard. So, OG Dad said, I learned from um, Viv that Will Smith controls all the jobs in Hollywood, Bollywood, Broadway, etc., because she couldn't get work. So, OG Dad, my, my um, question to you would be, um, you know, d- do you really believe this or are you being sarcastic? Do we? You know, he's being sarcastic. No, <laughs> do we? That's OG Dad's signature. He's sarcastic, but he's always right. He's always on time with his comments, though. But do but all right. So Zane, so let me ask you: Do you think that Will Smith intentionally blackballed her and told people don't work with her? Yeah, I think he did because you know, like we all know, back then Will Will Smith was you know way younger. He was more immature, and he got to look he at it too, that that. back then. He wasn't a he wasn't a, a multi million dollar block. Blockbuster um, actor, he he had a show and he they said in the reunion that that show initially had got canceled and then you I'm know saying, public outcry from fans made them bring the show back. I'm saying, but he still had leverage because he was the star of the show. Aunt Viv was not even the top four most popular people in that show. You had Will, you had Carlton Banks, you had the sister, you had uh, shoot the Butler was even more popular than Aunt Viv. So the way they projected it. The way they projected it. Oh, no, true. Jazzy Jeff getting thrown out the house was was was, was even more was more popular. Hold on. Hold so on. what so I'm this. So when we say blackball, we talking about blackball throughout the industry. We're not talking about having a person removed from a show, correct? Yeah, we're talking about blackball, period. Like, like you know. No, 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 but, but, but I'm saying that was the start. Will Will Smith had leverage, being that that was his show. He was the star of the show. And he mixed the mingle with a lot of people before that show because he was already in the music business. And you know, people in the music business and people in the acting business kind of roll in the same circle. So at the same time, by him putting out that comment, that 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 really damaged her career. I think I do. I think that was damaging to say, and I think anytime because black women sadly have to wear the stigma of being angry. So I think yeah. that anytime you say something like that, then that makes it far more complicated for a woman to get work. But as far as like the black black balling to a certain extent, like just I'm just going by like by your theory, because Will Smith was the star of the show, you know, to believe that him being the star of the show has the ability to pull strings, you know, it, it makes me I, I I don't know because I'm so you ever watch Doogie Howser? Yeah, Doogie Howser MD. Yeah. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris was the star. Of that show, he's like the breakout star. Do you think he had the ability to blackball somebody in Hollywood? Uh, no, because he wasn't he wasn't more of a likable character than, than Will Smith. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, I just don't I don't know. I think that I the the part that I feel like Will Smith is responsible for is like I said. I think anytime you hang on a woman of color, that they difficult then, you know, that just that just literally becomes a situation where it perpetuates a narrative that people have already created about women of color, right? That they they angry, they challenging, they difficult. So I that to me, that was definitely that was that was damaging. That was damaging. 
but I don't I just don't see Will Smith as going around you know maybe maybe inadvertently by offering up a comment like that but I don't see Will Smith going around and being like yo what she about to be on Broadway nah hold up call up such and such she ain't getting that gig in Cats call over here she not getting this and she not getting that well you know what too maybe maybe well I think a lot of that stuff was like you know exaggerated too because at the end of the day, after her doing all that, you know, uh, top tier stuff back then, before she even got onto the show, I mean, come on, she she had to have some type of people in her corner. So if she just like, you know, she was, cla- uh, was classically trained. This woman's a classically trained actress. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, she had she had people in her corner, but so she can't she can't base that all upon Will Smith. Number one. The number two is always two sides of the story. She might have been very difficult, more than people know. She, well, you, you know, know, she acknowledged. She did acknowledge. She acknowledged that she wasn't the easiest to work with. And I can imagine, like, think about it. You have this these acting chops, and you mm-hmm. come on, you know, you come on to the set, and you ready to 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 get into character and do all these roles. And this dude rolling around on the floor with his his uh, Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff antics. I could imagine how. I'm serious, I could imagine how that'd be frustrating, but if you think about it, you know what probably made it really difficult for her? Because James Avery, you know, rest his soul, James Avery was also like a classically trained actor. And it seems like that he did so much to bring like the, all the, lung, the, um, the young actors and actresses into the fold and embrace them. So maybe he was more open and maybe she may have been standoff at the time based on everything that she had going on at home and all these different experiences and everything. But it, I'll say this, man, I don't know if the brother did it or not, but if he if he did, he got a powerful thumb to keep her down for that many years. Cause that wasn't that anniversary, like a 30 year anniversary or something like that? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. It yeah. was it was it was over two decades. Have, you, have you seen her in a, in a role after? I saw I think no. she was in mm-hmm. she was in one role. I forget what it was. I saw her in one other role, but I haven't seen her in any other acting roles. I heard Charlemagne on the radio saying that he thinks that the, um, the Fresh Prince is supposed to get a reboot, that it'd be nice to cast her as Aunt Viv again. But, 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 tell, but tell me the truth. What do you, do you, do you think she was the favorite Aunt Viv? Wasn't it three Aunt Vivs on that show? It was two. It was only two? Yeah, it was two. Oh, I'm tripping two, two. It was two. Like so, so three and uh, um, the new Aunt Viv that replaced her did three also. And I'm be honest with you, I liked her better than the new Aunt Viv. You did? And you know why? It could just be because she was introduced first. So in the back of my mind, mm. she was just always, you know, Aunt Viv. You know? Now, yeah, definitely though, a reboot would be would be great. That'd be great for television right now because I mean, um, there's so many other different shows out there that's been getting the reboot. Some some were successful, some weren't as successful. And I and even if they do the reboot now, I don't think it's going to be as successful as Fresh Prince of Bel Air was back then. But it's still a good start. Well, here's something that here's something that I think that to be, you know, to really take into consideration with this. After Will Smith and the original Aunt Viv had their conversation, now Monique, the comedian, has come out again. And actually, before I say that, let me say this. One thing I do appreciate about the original Aunt Viv in that discussion, she took some responsibility also. Yeah. That was big to me. Like, she took some responsibility. I thought that was dope. But where I was going was Monique the Comedian came out, and now she's saying that she believes that Tyler Perry owes her an apology because Tyler, supposedly Tyler Perry 
And Oprah Winfrey said that she was difficult to work with also. And she But that was like, over what, two years ago? I mean, look, look, we talk, if we saying that Will Smith, think about what, I want you to really think about what we saying. So we saying that Will Smith, an up and coming young man that was at the beginning of his acting career, shut her down for that many years and limited her role for 30 years. Could you imagine somebody who owns their own studio and Tyler Perry, the ability he would have to, to decimate somebody's career? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean- But I, you know what too though, I don't, I mean, we know that Monique said some hard stuff about about Oprah and, 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 and Tyler and others too. So, I mean, I think before she think that they can curb their enthusiasm, she has to own up what she did too. You know what I'm saying? And, and then hopefully, you know, stuff will happen. But I just don't like to see where other people get things cleared away or squared away and then somebody else think it's a segue for them to come in. And you, yeah, I, I hate that stuff, yo. I hate that. Now, I, I guarantee you, if this never happened with with with, with, with uh, Aunt Viv and Will Smith, Monique would have never brought this stuff up again. Nah. She would have never brought it up again. Nah, Monique would have brought it up, because she always talking about it, huh? And her husband always talking about it. Monique would have brought this up. Anytime, anytime anybody get any deal on Netflix, anytime anything comes up, yo, Monique is always in the wings with it. So this wasn't going away, you know? And I think somebody somebody told Monique something like she'd be able to get more deals if she get rid of her, um, her husband or something. And she was like, my husband got me my best deal. That... Yo, that I appreciate about Monique. Monique ride hard for her husband. She ride hard for her husband. Some of the stuff her and her husband say sound a bit delusional, but at the end of the day, they got each other back. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. You know, you, you, you need that in a companion. OG Dad says the fact that she couldn't get work when UPN and other networks at that time were looking for black actors. Maybe she is. <laughs> Thank you, OG Dad. See, that's what I said. It was two, it's two sides of every story. Um, Viv should have written that show until the wheels fell off. Yeah. yeah. I, look, I don't know what 250 grand, I would imagine inflation, what 250 grand is now, but she said they offered a 250,000 um, back then for a season. And, you know, here's something to think about also, and this is what I mean when you start talking about people who are classically trained. If you classically trained, and they offer you two hundred and fifty thousand, but you know that the the lead actor is a dude who literally, like the story they told is that when he got called in for mm -hmm. uh, audition for the role, he told them that they needed two, he needed two weeks, let him get an acting coach or something like that, and then I think Quincy Jones or some somebody told him like all the people you need to convince is out outside, take thirty minutes or take fifteen minutes or something. So I'm sure she knows like this is a person who has no acting experience whatsoever. And he's commanding. God only knows what kind of check he got to do it. Um, right. Whose mind don't go to this is the person that's actually bringing the viewers in. Because at that time, I feel like um, Fresh Prince uh, and, and Jazzy Jeff were probably like Grammy Grammy Award winning rappers or something like that, right? Platinum rappers. Oh yeah, big time. Actually, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince were the ones that win the first uh, first Grammy, first, first Grammy, first Grammy. But but you know what it is too, though, Shanar. Uh, I, I I read that Carlton Banks didn't show up and i probably and it's probably you know it's, it's well not probably I, I i believe it's very much more to the story it's the not just one? well last, huh? this last one they just had from what i read he was there 
He came. He had to leave a little bit earlier because I think he was shooting on his other show. But he's another person. So you think about his personality versus Will Smith. Like Alfonso Riviera is another dude. He's the, the freaking tap dance kid. Like he yeah. had his experience and came into it. But some people. And he was damn sure probably the, the 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 next best Michael Jackson impersonator as far as dancing anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, of course. So. OG dad, you know, you look, there's somebody is there with you because I'm sure Alfonso Riviera did the same thing. He rode, rode the show until the wheels fell off, kept going with it and got his bag out of it. You know, something to consider, you know, switching gears, man. I had, I sent it over to you and Rob. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it. You know, um, Dave Chappelle did like his little 15 to 17 minute set called Unforgiven. And Man, like, yo, it was Dave Chappelle. His brand of humor is not for everybody, but I like the fact that all his all his stand-ups usually have a message in it. And if you stick with him and you really understand satire and how it works, it really has a powerful message. Um, Dave Chappelle's the 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 stand-up was basically him talking about how he feels that he um you know that he has been victimized or robbed of um of content and robbed of things on many different occasions and he set the stage by talking about his first experience that he was a young up-and-coming comedian that was 15 years old and he had a joke that he was doing and an older comedian asked could he use the joke to go to audition and he said he told him sure you could use it and then he said that he was going to perform at a comedy show the older comedian opened up before him and used the joke again and then he said to him, like, you know, stop saying, you know, stop saying my joke. I'm going to need my joke back. And the older comedian offered him $50 for the joke. And he was like, no, nah, actually, I'm trying to come up. I need the joke. So the older, older comedian told him, I, I'll just take the joke and took the joke from him. Then he said he had another time where he was playing three card Molly. And I think he said he had like $50 to his name or something like that. And uh, he um, they ended up taking his money. But this is where it gets interesting. He was like that. He has stood and he watched the people play the game. Mm -hmm. And that he saw what he thought was people losing. And that he thought he knew what the card was. And that all these people were around, you know, I guess like hyping it up. And that it he was then on the game and he lost and he realized that those people were in on the game also. And he used that, which I thought was brilliant. He used that as an analogy to segue into when he was sitting in a room and he signed his deal with Viacom Comic Central for his show and that everybody in the room was telling him this is a great deal mm -hmm. but he was saying like what if they were in the game also long story short I think short, they were yeah long story short he ended up signing the deal and what I appreciate about him saying and signing the deal to me so many people sign these deals these bad deals and then solely act like that it's the party the other party's fault that the other party took advantage of them what he acknowledged and that stand up to me he was like you know i was a, um i was an expecting father my family was young i needed the money and you know that's why i did it so to me he gave background information i always say this all the time even with rappers and stuff we always get put in these positions and sign these deals based on the fact that we want to change our circumstances faster. That's why I think we're quicker to sell off our content than some other people. So he signed a deal. And after he signed a deal, um, you know, some time went by. We all know that eventually he didn't want to do the Chappelle show anymore. So he said that people were telling him, 
well, just create a, create another Chappelle show. And then he thought about it and was like, yeah, we'll create another Chappelle show until he realized that they own the Chappelle show in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. And that they so, were streaming it on other services. So I've seen the Chappelle show on, I don't know if it's on VH1 or BT. I know it still comes on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix got it. And he said that with his deal with Netflix, he said that he told Netflix, could they take it down because it makes him feel bad? He said Netflix took it down and stopped streaming the Chappelle show. So he ended the he ended the um the stand-up by saying he's asking people to boycott the Chappelle show. I just think overall, um Dave Chappelle create created his own monster. And you, you, you definitely brought it up by him signing that contract. And you know, not not all money is good money, number one. And number two, if you sign a contract, get a lawyer, right? But then you have you can get another lawyer to, to watch another lawyer. You don't I mean, come on, like I mean they they Dave Chappelle been in the industry long enough to know what's right and what's wrong and how many other people fell victim to bad contracts. Like look at look at all these other comedians. Look at look look at the situation happened with Red, Red Fox, one of the funniest people ever besides Richard Pryor. Yeah. And he damn near died dead broke. Well, here's something to think about, though, Zane, like, re- realistically, like, I think, so we think in the context when we talking about contracts, we talking about, like, these entertainment contracts, but I think there's not, all of us at some point of time have signed a bad deal. I Look, I know that I've signed a bad deal. I signed by a bad deal in the, in the, um, the, the, you know, I think, like, a car that I financed, one of the first cars that I financed, the interest rate was crazy. You know, we all we all we all sign bad deals when we get on social media platforms. Yeah, it, it take it take it takes it takes all of our uh, freedom away and privacy. Yeah, but you know, in a, in a more contextual sense, you know, like signing it and signing that deal at that time, you know, I'm I'm signing it because it was in my interest. I'm like, I'm young, I really want this car, I want to be doing this and doing yeah. that. So at that yeah. time, I don't know if people think through. You know, they think through all of this stuff, the intricacies of the deal in its entirety. And I think that that's what puts people in a position to have to to have to live out these deals. Now, one of the things that I've always said is I can't understand how all these entertainers and all these people continue to get caught in these bad deals. But I think the other part of it also is that seems like a stand seems like the standard entertainment contract is a bad deal. And the best deal that you could get is one that that's um, not as lengthy, like a short deal. Yeah. And some some of us, and to be frank, like some of our circumstances dictate where we're in a position where honestly, we don't believe we don't believe in our product more than somebody else, right? So, like, if I came right now, us three, we went to somebody and we pitched this show and was like, "This is what we're doing," and it was like, "Here's the bag that we want to give you all, whatever it is." Right, and we look at it and be like, "Man, this is this is good money. This is good money." We're looking at it and saying that this is good money. They're looking at it and saying the money that I'm giving them is is only going to cut into a profit of potentially what I could make. And I think that that's one of the challenges that we have that we don't see the full potential of how something can be monetized. Yeah. Plus, how many how many years you think the Chappelle Show been out? Mm, I don't know. It's been out a while. The Chappelle show has been on for many years and I'm sure that the revenue because it's, it's in um, syndication now 
No, see, the, the 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 fact that I was about to say is because back then, the main thing that was getting streamed with it was music. It wasn't actual like content that 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 had to do with shows and and cable and stuff like that. That was more like, you know, you have your reruns and stuff. You have a lot of new episodes, but the streaming stuff wasn't as popular what it is right now. Mm-hmm. So so even when Dave Chappelle signed that contract, I don't think he had in mind the future of what stuff is going to be as far as streaming and how streaming plays a major part of, 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 of people's revenue right now so once Dave Chappelle was like damn and you know COVID and all the stuff going on too he's like damn it's like you I'm can't go yeah, he's missing out on all his money so now Dave Chappelle's really more mad at himself than he's mad at anybody else that's actually putting out his, his, his content but of course Dave Chappelle's the one that can actually is actually brilliant enough to still make it work out later on like i mean okay they have the Chappelle show on stuff all he has to do really is go to the court pay to get his last name changed or do whatever mix it up no seriously i mean that's the only way that he can actually get full intellectual property back to what he wanted stuff to be and also i think once he does this it's going to probably be bigger than all the stuff that he ever did back then Dave well, Chappelle gonna be around for a long time, bro. Well, here's the here's the here's the thing with that though. So, what you're talking about is him writing it going forward. Like, yeah, that's potential to to make it right going forward. You do a new deal, and then mm. you you know you do something else going forward. But I'm sure he probably has like accountants, lawyers, and stuff, and people who are telling him like this is the kind of revenue that they've generated off of this show over the years my memory serves correctly comedy central gave him a pretty big deal so think about what i just said a few minutes ago if comedy central sits down with you and they say we want to give you 50 million dollars for the next x amount of years that mean they're going to make five five hundred million that's exactly five billion that's exactly what that's exactly what i'm saying but i think sometimes our circumstances don't allow us to see Mm-hmm. The, the, the bigger picture potential of it the person who i that i salute man around that is master p man oh master yeah p, to me like i remember i remember i watched the master p um special when they had it on um i think it was vh1 or bet but i had already jimmy Iovine situation the joint where they tried to offer him a million dollars and he was on the plane like no nah, i'm not taking it because if they're gonna give me a million imagine how much i'm really worth right right so you know there are some people that are willing to bet on themselves um, and they're willing to bet on themselves because this is what we were saying with Emil Nani, like Master P I proof of concept. He was already in the street moving these units and making money and everything like that. And he was looking for somebody to partner with him. Dave Chappelle, he was a known comedian. He has some roles and stuff like that. But Dave Chappelle also was looking for somebody to help elevate him and take him to the um to the next level. And he said that he pitched it to um to HBO also. That he mm-hmm. had HBO and HBO passed on it. But now imagine that all these people you pitched it to passed on it, and now all of them are streaming it, replaying it. It's in syndication. All these other people are making money off of it, but your name is on the show, and you're not making anything off of it. That's trash. Man, I would love to see uh, two or more brothers get together. Like I would love to see. Okay, because you see how Dame Dash have Dame Dash Studios, and he has a lot of different comedy acts that he manages. That he you that that's on that Dame Dash uh, TV platform. Say if uh, whether Dame Dash and Dame Ch- Dave Chappelle get together, or 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 titles. I mean to boost titles because uh, you know titles like they 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 offering like a lower 
rate right now for to, just just to get subscribers. Imagine if Dave Chappelle just has all like once he reboots the new show and do whatever he has to change his name, whatever, and, he, and all that stuff would be on title. You know how much title stock will go up or title uh, uh, content as far as yeah. subscribers and viewership. Yeah, but let me let me let me try let me try an analogy that and see mm-hmm. if if this kind of works right and uh, and thinking about like from Dave Chappelle's standpoint. So yesterday when um me and my wife sat down to eat dinner i was looking at the robin hood app and mm-hmm. i was talking about, about about stocks and everything and it, there was a particular stock and i was saying like y'all missed out because i should have bought x amount of more shares or whatever and she was like but you have these shares and you made this money off mm-hmm. of it and i used that to sort of compare to um to dave Chappelle because in your mind you're always going to be thinking about what you, you know what you lost because he's already he's seeing that right now he's living through that being monetized right mm-hmm. now like literally in front of his face he knows that there's a cult following when he was at radio city music hall um we went and seen him at radio city music hall he had three shows all three shows were sold out he's probably right now at the height of his popularity being um revered people love him them shows are uh, uh, etched in stone like to this day there are people who still watch Richard Pryor's sketch show on YouTube right oh, like yeah. this is this is his most probably the body of work that he's most proud of his comedic sketch for Rick James and Prince arguably you know like, yeah like people look at that like like this is this genius or whatever genius yeah. yeah and to think that this is gonna have to live on for years and people are gonna be coming up to him saying man I love when you did the comedic sketch where we you know when you play Rick James or when you did this or you did that, you know those two sketches I, I love on um on the Chappelle show, but there are other sketches that to me that were it was that were better than that, and you know to also, not to make money off of that in perpetuity is that's yeah I'm sure that's gotta hurt man. You know what it is too though, Shannon. Uh, Dave Chappelle is so slick with it. Even though he feel that he, he 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 he's getting messed over by the content that's over the out that's being shared on the on these other networks, Dave Chappelle probably didn't even put out his 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 funniest stuff yet, and that's what I'm thinking. Dave Chappelle is that slick with it because Dave Dave Chappelle probably after he signed the contract and he might have spoke to his close close inner circle or whatever and. As he's developing these, these new shows for the for the for, for the um, Dave Chappelle show, somebody might have told him whether his, his his spiritual advisor or whoever his main advisor is as far as business, his business manager. He said, "Hey, don't even put X Y Z out. Save that just in case the things go sour." He so said, right he now, a hell of a deal with Netflix, though. I heard. Yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he put out. His, his, his funniest, his funniest stuff yet. I think, I think he still got that in the archive. I um, I've been, I've been satisfied with though. I watched the Kevin Hart joint, Kevin Hart's latest stand up yesterday. I can't get into Kevin Hart, man. Like I'm Kevin not, Hart, I'm not a big, really, I'm not a big fan of Kevin Hart either. I'm not a big fan of him either. But you know why I watched it? Honestly, I watched it because on social media, people have been going crazy and saying like, "Yo, it's terrible." They didn't laugh one time. It's his worst stand up ever. And just like you said, like I'm not a big fan of Kevin Hart. I watched it and I was like, I don't really see anything different here than anything that he's ever done before. Maybe his time is just now starting to be up and it's moving on to somebody else. But it, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It wasn't gut busting funny. It was just Kevin Hart being Kevin Hart. He got a bad too. Uh-huh. 
Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was the reason why Monique got pissed off because all of them got them crazy deals and she said Netflix only offer her $500,000. Now, the crazy thing about it is I remember her and Charlemagne arguing back and forth like crazy over it because Charlemagne was saying to her, the analytics show like how many how many concerts each you sell, how many views. And then the funny thing, she wanted to debate it, but I believe that Netflix already had a Monique stand-up on Netflix. So if she if they already had one of her old stand-ups on Netflix, you know they could see the analytics and be like, this been streamed X amount, yeah, of, time. X amount of times. Yeah, so they, they knew what it was. Um, but she also said that they had built in a clause where they told her like she couldn't use those same jokes for a year or something like that or whatever. So, Mm. Oh, man, it's, that just seems like the how these people are doing business now. Like they want to own outright everything. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, shout out, shout out to Dave Chappelle. Hopefully, you know, things will work out for him, and whatever next business endeavor he has, as far as comedy, it will be way bigger than what he already put out. Yeah, the OG Dad says very, very mediocre. Kevin Hart stick to movies. Yeah, it was. I've never thought, I, honestly, you know what the, the funniest movie I ever saw Kevin Hart in? Paper Soldiers to me. I thought Paper Soldiers was hilarious. Paper I remember Soldiers. saying that, I just, I just vaguely remember what happened. Dame, and Dash. The one- Dame Dash, where it was um, him, Dame Dash, Beanie, was Beanie, Beanie Siegel was in it briefly. Lori uh, uh. was in it, Capone was in it briefly, and they were going around, they were like um, break, doing breaking and entering. Um, stuff in Philly breaking into people's homes. Mm. Uh, that was to me like one of his funniest movies. But I'm I'm just not a big Kevin Hart fan. The one stand-up I did like by um Kevin Hart is the joint where he was talking about his dad with the all right, all right, all right, you're gonna learn today. That's the that's the only one I like out of out of out of everything because the way that I found out about him was years ago when he was years and years ago when he was on that atrocious movie Soul Soul Plane. Uh-huh. I couldn't get I couldn't get past the first fifteen minutes of that movie. That movie was terrible. You know what's yeah. broke? Look, man. Now, if you think about stand-ups, the difference in stand-ups, like stand-ups, uh, uh, some there. I feel like years ago, stand-ups were much more. They stood the test of time than some of these newer stand-ups. Like you could still turn on the TV and watch Raw, Delirious, um, Richard Pryor. Live on Sunset Boulevard, like some of those stand-ups now, though, like the newest stand-ups to me is like they, they, the shelf life on them, you know, you can't, you can't high call it. Like even like Martin, you so crazy and stuff like that. Those stand-ups are like quality, quality stand-ups. Some of this other stuff now, like right, right now, honestly, I, I probably couldn't watch Kings of Comedy right now, and I like, I, I like, I like all of them. Like that was the one with uh, Steve Harvey and Cedric and rest in peace Bernie Mac and them, right? Yeah, I probably couldn't watch yeah. it now. I definitely yeah. watch Queens of Comedy. Um, I saw I saw Mike Epps in concert before. I don't I wouldn't I don't think I would ever want to see anything he did again. Well, Dave, didn't they didn't they say that Eddie Murphy was been coming out with a, with another stand up? I heard he was. He probably yeah. afraid of a bomb. Nah, I think Eddie Murphy will do good. I don't know, man. I like Chris Rock, but I like Chris Rock stand-ups. Man, Chris Rock always talks that political stuff, and it makes you think, like, damn, like, this dude, even though this stuff is funny, it's, it's actually the stuff that he make, says makes sense. 
see, uh, yeah, Chris Chris Rock always been uh, on point with that as far as his delivery and thought thought provoking content. Yeah, he um, my, I think one of my favorite joints from from him was you ever seen the joint where he was like, um, niggas come out of jail and got more respect than somebody who went to college. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. Masters, huh? So that was, right. Can you go whoop my ass? <laughs> 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 yeah, man, like uh, Chris Rock. Uh, I, I don't know what happened with Cat Williams. Like, um, Cat, I don't, I don't Cat know what's going on with him. Yo, I, I, I yeah, I, he. Um, them Cat, we seen Cat Williams in concert. Also, it was okay, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. You know, it's not something I would ever want to see. Shannon, you can't compare regular funny to extra classic comedic performances. Who is on first still funny? Yeah, that's true. Like the comedians we have yeah. before, they were legendary, com- true comedians. You know, now some of the stuff you look at, you be like, man, like they have no replay value. They have no replay right. value. It's nothing. That What's the name? Was even funny. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Griffin. He was alright. I was, I was like, a oh man, he was he was all right. He was all right. Oh man, I forgot to tell you this. I spoke to Rob too. Uh, uh, Rob yesterday. Oh, Rob is um. No, shout out to Rob because I'm sure he's gonna, he's gonna watch this back. Rob is still um unpacking. It's coming along, though. It's coming along. Oh, yeah, yeah, they almost there. He's still unpacking. He's um enjoying the new space. Him and his missus. Um, he was and he was trying to get on this week. He was like, man, I'm trying to maybe I sneak in the closet and come come on for a few minutes. You know, he he Rob ready to come back, but he he unpacking that house and getting things together for him and the missus. Yeah, shout out shout out to the good brother Rob, man. We 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 holding it down until you get back, bro. Um when you get back, things will be even better. Yeah, yeah. So and he asked about you too. He's like, What's up with Z? I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Still still scrolling uh scrolling Instagram for thoughts. <laughs> What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that song with uh? What's his name? Uh, Lil John. We like shots. Shots. Stop. 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 Yo, we gonna. We said it last week. We gonna have. Uh, what's the name, y'all? Yo, show your. Show your feed day one day. With you just put up. A oh man. Show your. Show your feed. Show your feed of what you got going on. Zane, yeah, I'm. 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 I'm gonna do that one day. I, I, I like I like to follow the uh, the models on there and stuff like that. Yeah, so nice, that nice, nice, nice little bikini models and stuff. Yeah, that's what you that's what you're saying. You talking about like <laughs> people need to vibrate higher? No, stop looking. <laughs> stop looking. Well, thanks for everybody pulling up this week. You know, hopefully you all had a happy Indigenous Indigenous People Day. You ate your turkey. You watched Zane's Cowboys. Oh man, they got they got beat, man. They Cowboys, Cowboys look horrible. Yo, oh, I 40, forty-one to sixteen. They I lost to the Washington yo, football team yesterday. I, I took my cap to you, Zane. I can't say anything because I'm a Jet fan. We haven't won a game, and I don't think we'll win a game this year. Well, sure. You, I, well, you already know who you're gonna get. If, the, if, the, Trevor, if Trevor Lawrence agreed to come to us, that's what we going for, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll be pretty good. But 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 do you have receivers for him to even throw it to? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. got okay. we got a young we got a young core. We actually with um with this dude now playing, we actually throwing the ball down the field some now. Um, mm. what's um homeboy that was on Baltimore before? Um, Joe um 
What's his name? Gosh. Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco. Yeah, he's quarterback. Yeah. He he's better be doing some of all that money he 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 got paid from, Not, you know. Yeah. The Jets gave him No, I'm talking Oh, for real? Yeah, the Jets oh, well. yeah, gave him peanuts. He trying to hang oh, on. Oh, that was Baltimore. Baltimore gave him like a hundred and something million. Yeah. yeah. And then tomorrow. Wait, so, so that money's not guaranteed like how basketball is? Nah, he already, that contract was up. His, his contract, I think, I think Baltimore may have cut him. And then he probably got whatever the guaranteed money was, but we didn't give him no big deal. He on a year to year deal. And then, yo, tomorrow's the fight. Give us your prediction before we end. I say Mike Tyson round four. Mike Tyson round four? Cause there's only eight rounds in that, but I would say Mike Tyson round four, the the the, the highest that'll go is five rounds. I predict the first round, Roy Jones gonna be running around, running around trying to get Mike Tyson winded. Tyson gonna put him in the corner, hit him with a, a, a couple of jabs, a couple of jabs or hooks in the rib. And then by second round, Roy Jones gonna be Doing the same thing, running around, trying to trying to trying to establish the jab. Tyson's gonna hit him with I think Tyson's gonna drop him in that second round. So and his, then I think and then I think Roy Jones might be able to get himself together but for, for three, but then four, that's it. Five max. Well, look, the black I believe the Black Lives Matter belt is on the line for this fight. The Black Lives Matter belt. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think that's what they said. The black, the black lives matter is on the line. Yo. Hey, Yo. but so they, they they have a do they have a decent undercard? Like I'm sure it's people that we don't know, but Nate Robinson, Nate Robinson the basketball player? You lying, yo? You serious for real? Nate Robinson is fighting the YouTuber. It's supposed to be a rap concert, and I think Badu Jack is like Badu Jack is fighting somebody too. I think. Wow, yeah. I was looking at something um, a couple of weeks ago. They said Tyson is really trying to bring this stuff back. Like he's looking to get football players, basketball players, uh, people from different sports to, to get into the boxing ring. Here's my, so, um, here's, here's my prediction. I'm saying mm-hmm. I'm say three rounds, and I also think I don't think it's being scored either. I'm, I'm gonna say three rounds, and I'm gonna say it's gonna end in some kind of TKO. But a TKO mm-hmm. from somebody on the stool where they didn't their knee, they didn't tore their Achilles or oh, man. up or it's gonna be a whole lot of rubbing down of Bengay and and icy hot and all kind of other stuff or whatever because Tyson, I just don't want to see Mike Tyson bite off this dude's ear or something nah, like that. Nah, Mike you know Tyson at this point now, Mike Tyson probably gonna roll up and get high before the fight. There's no drug testing for the fight. They already said that too. He'll roll up, get high before the fight, go in there. And just probably go off and be be winded by the third round. I'm telling you, somebody gonna be like they can't continue. Wait, so Tyson said he's gonna roll up before the fight. He's gonna no, he before the fight. That, he didn't say that, but oh. that's and they, and they said they specifically did no drug testing because they know that Mike Tyson likes to smoke frequently. So that's what's, what's the name? Look like he smoked too, though. Roy Joe look like he smoked. Yo. But I tell you what though, Tyson better not sleep. I mean, I'm not saying Roy, jo- Roy Jones is, is no sucker. Like if, if Roy Jones get one or two good hits in there, Tyson can you know you know back hit, hit hit the mat. But I just think Tyson just has more to prove. Tyson's like you know he don't like if, if Tyson if Tyson loses this, it's like he might jump off a bridge or something, yo. Yeah. Tyson, nah, I'm serious. Like Tyson, Tyson, Tyson. Tyson if Tyson loses this. He can't have no excuse, bro. Tyson ain't before. Roy Jones got yep. a chin now. Yo, look at this. 
Yeah, Monique should have asked him to allow her to tell jokes at the fight. They, oh my God. Uh, they, yo, not for the amount of money she wants. That's more than a whole promotion, probably. Yeah, um, man. Monique, probably, Monique, so Monique's the type that just can't, ne- he's never satisfied, yo. That's what she, I think it is, yo. I need 80% of the, the pay per view sales. It's $50, you, right? Huh? It's $50, I believe, for the fight. I don't know. Like, when I'm watching that, they, 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 they getting it for free. Allegedly, don't chill. Allegedly, <laughs> Look, pull disclaimer. <laughs> Yo, pull when Zane is watching the fight, they are going to be paying for the fight. The reason why he said it's free is because they're going to allow him to come over and look at it for free. But the fight <laughs> is not free. The fight is not free. You didn't hear that no ideas from this podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Yo, Man. so thank you everybody for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Out. Everybody enjoy your weekend.